I think that if you're not paying attention, you're you're going to be missing out on a big trend. This is one of those things that that goes mainstream, and ultimately, I think it's genius, and I'm I'm refreshed by it. This is a perfect use case for crypto. We're back. Welcome to another episode of Thousand X. We're happy to have you. Finally, we get some volatility. It's been boring as hell this entire summer, effectively, since we hit 32K. And we finally got, finally got some vol. Bitcoin, we were... uh, Bitcoin traded down, ended up breaking down from that 30K range to 26. And now we're teetering here on the edge. And a lot of arguments to be bullish, a lot of arguments to be bearish. But Jonah, where, where's your head? I mean, we were literally... We, we were literally just trying to come up with ways to stay awake this summer and then bang, right? 15% sell-off. Um, I would say that when I look at price action like this, it makes me nervous and I think it could go a lot lower. Um, just total finger in the air, like watch, watching it like nervously stabilize around 26. But if you go and pull up the open interest levels and you look at how much length was liquidated over the course of this sell-off, um, the picture looks really clean. So I, I, despite being a crypto bull and feeling nervous about length right now, I think this is a time to buy with both hands. I think that if you have dry powder, and hopefully you do, you're supposed to be adding meaningfully here. I think what happened is a lot of uh, participants got long or even levered long ahead of the anticipated uh, GBTC versus SEC decision last week. Um, I think the market was expecting the judge to come down in favor of GBT or uh, Grayscale rather. Um, and then nothing happened and maybe a bit of cascaded liquidations as people just exited positions. So I think all of that weak length is gone. And I think it's, it's a, a clean slate that you're supposed to buy. Yeah, I'd agree with that. The only... The only reason why I would be slightly more hesitant is if I believe that the equity markets were in trouble. I think September is going to be macro podcast season. Unfortunately, I really, I really enjoyed my break, not listening to any macro podcasts and not really paying attention. Does this to count macro. as a macro podcast? I no, because we're not opining on macro the entire time. We're talking right. about some other. I, I do think that some of it, like listen, listen to an hour long podcast on inflation is very tedious in my opinion because I, uh, I people pe people just tend to tend to repeat themselves and like once you've heard the same argument once you, you you hear it again but i do think that it's it's important to put, start paying attention again i do think that equities provided you a period of time to flip from bull to bear so if you actually look at go go to trading view whatever charting software you enjoy pull up Bitcoin and then overlay coin and overlay MSTR. And you'll see that both coin and MSTR nuked before Bitcoin nuked. Hmm. So, and when I say nuked, I don't mean they were down 3%. I mean, they genuinely nuked hard 10, 15% right as Bitcoin was ranging, which gave you some indication as to where the interest is in the market. And the interest was not in crypto. And there's a lot of alpha in that statement. Like I, I don't trade like that. I, I try to trade a around a core position. Uh, I think that anybody out there who, you know, is, 
in crypto, probably a bit bullish crypto, um, who had the guts or the courage to get short, tactically short, in this summer doldrums period, playing for this dip is a truly lucky or truly talented person. But that that is interesting what you bring up. Like I don't, I, 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 I disagree no. with that. I think that it was prudent. Once you got once you got that move up to thirty, so the, we were ranging for a long time. Yeah. Once you got that move up to thirty and you rejected, and then you got equities nuking and Bitcoin was still above twenty nine, that was a chance to at least protect yourself. That was a chance to say, okay, well, you know, this was two weeks ago when we recorded the pod. We were trading up. Uh, we tagged thirty. I said that I was bullish, and then we rejected, and then we traded basically four or five days sideways. And during that four or five day sideways period, coin was nuking, MSTR was nuking, all these other things were nuking hard. And I view those as indications of institutional interest in the asset class. And so what you were sort of holding on to is you were saying, okay, well, we knew we know that there isn't enough buying power to get us above above 30 right now. We got rejected. We know that there seem to be institutions and other holders exiting through coin and MSTR pretty, pretty aggressively. And so Given the fact that you have a pretty reasonable stop out above, you know, call it 30.2, 30.4, makes sense to, you know, start to start to protect yourself. That's also one reason why podcasting is, you know, for all the listeners out there, it's it's very important to take into account why somebody is saying the thing that they're that they're saying, so that you can. And what I try to do is I try to lay it out very clearly, so that when you hear my when you hear my viewpoint, you understand why it might change, and you can factor that in because we do only do this once every two weeks. And obviously, as an invest, as a trader, sometimes my bull bear takes will change day to day depending on new information that I get and that jo- that Jonah gets. You just sort of have to have to update information. But I will say that once we didn't get above thirty, and then you get, I I, I would honestly, you know, if I, if you're if you're trying to directionally trade Bitcoin. Over two over a two week time period or three week time period, make sure you have coin MSTR Bitcoin miners uh, on your watch list because I do think that they are actually reasonably predictive in certain scenarios. So if Bitcoin's ranging sideways and it's sort of a low, it's a low volume time period, you can actually catch those inflections of demand and supply. I think through those pieces of equity. So that that's just something that I find particularly valuable. That's interesting. Do you do you find it do you find it valuable when both Bitcoin and the the minor stocks plus Coinbase plus MSTR are trending in the same direction? Do you find that no. the equities are useful, or is it only when BTC is range bound and the equities? It's are basically moving? BTC range bound. I'm trying to pick a direction. Okay. Are, so, so this are, is our our equities strong or weak? This is critical, right? Like you, you listen to podcasts all the time and you get bowled up or bared up on the basis of what the podcasters are saying. I think, Avi, what you're trying to mention here that, that I think is important um, and you hear about on a trading floor all the time is process, right? Like what, what is your, like, do you have a process for arriving at a trading or a risk decision? And is it, is the process consistent or improving throughout time? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like what I, what I hate is when people say, oh, you can use, hey, great. You can use equities to trade Bitcoin and ETH. Sometimes they're predictive. Okay. When? How? Yeah. Like how, like, okay, what are you going to do? Great. MSTR is up 5% today. What does that tell you? Well, it doesn't tell you anything in context unless, or it doesn't tell you anything unless you put it in context. 
Okay, so the only place I've found it valuable is when Bitcoin's going sideways and it needs to pick a direction and you're trying to figure out what direction it's going to pick. That is the only scenario that I've actually found Bitcoin equities or crypto equities useful in terms of Bitcoin uh, predictive. See, uh, that's you know, that's interesting. I, I, I hadn't 100%. thought of that. And like what I was thinking when I was watching miners and Coinbase um, during this sort of slowish summer for crypto was, OK, crypto's not moving, but the miners in Coinbase have just gassed higher to, you know, local highs. Right. All right. Now they're retracing a little bit whatever from local highs they were you know decorrelated from bitcoin on the way up maybe they'll be decorrelated on the way down like, I I don't, uh, they even... weren't decorrelated i mean they actually well, one thing that i will say i'm, I'm just going to pull up the chart we're not trading is... tick for tick though dude like they're <laughs> like bitcoin pretty... literally didn't move for a few weeks pretty pretty darn close i mean they topped very on a very similar day yeah it wasn't it, it wasn't exactly uh, on, on the day that Bitcoin traded 32, but they basically topped on the day that Bitcoin traded 32. Okay. When you have things that you look at in the market, what I try to do a lot is place them into very specific contexts and then start to overlay, right? So for example, one thing that you can look at is breaking the 200 moving average. Well, What's more important? Sometimes people talk about breaking the 200 moving average to the upside. Sometimes people talk about breaking it, breaking it to the downside. You can actually run a study on that. Is it more predictive of momentum, breaking it to the upside or breaking it to the downside? It's actually a very easy problem. I'll, I'll leave, it to the, leave it to the listener to, to decode. But these types of things, right? So sectioning off, okay, well, instead, of, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna look at this indicator, but in what context does, that, does this thing work? In what context does it not work? And then you start to piece together. Now, I actually have a, a notion. We have all these different rules of things that I look at and where I see them tend to work and where I see them tend to fail. And then I use them. I like, I'll review them. I'll take a look. And then I'll try to apply them to the current market. And I'll say, do, I, do any of these apply right now? What's, what's important? It's interesting. Right. I mean, I have, a, I have a slightly different process honed from TradFi, which is that so basically the process that you just described or any process for the listeners, it's something that you can cling to when you're losing money. It is an objective framework that helps you from stopping out of positions when they're temporarily not going your way. That's why you need to have a process that's sort of somewhat static throughout time. Uh, otherwise, you're just going to be buying on the way up and selling on the way down and and chopping yourself up. So I did that for a period of time in my career when I made the excruciating transition from market maker working at a bank to um, Avi Fellman style prop trader working on the buy side. Uh, I had to unlearn a lot of bad habits and I had to stop myself from day trading without a framework. Um, I, I, was, I was just sort of blowing in the wind and I, I, I screwed up quite badly and almost got myself fired a couple of times before, you know, on a last ditch effort, I had to develop a process. And that process for me, like I like to take a, call it a six month to a two year view on my asset class and find ways to hang on to that. So I'm usually pretty right over the long run, but over the short run on the timeframes that you're talking about, Avi, I'm pretty weak. Uh, I'm not a very good mm -hmm. trader. So what I did was I, 
I basically put a yellow sticky on my monitor that said, do not trade, do not day trade unless you have back tested your strategy. Um, so I had that on my monitor for years. Yeah, well, I'll say that that that's an important part, right? It's not just that's part of the process. So it's like, okay, well, you have these certain situations that pop up. Can you quantify them? Yeah. Okay. So what's, there what's, you go. What's your, what's, your, what's your what's your hit rate on the on these types of things? I mean, a lot of trading is just coming up with strategies that you sometimes will organically observe. Then you'll go to your quant if you have a quant, or you, maybe you are your quant. And you say, hey, okay, how do I, how do I put this into a framework that is repeatable? So for yep. example, is there alpha if the, you have two correlated assets, Arbitrum and Optimism. If Arbitrum, if Optimism's up 8%, if the Arbitrum Optimism pair is up a certain amount, will there be mean reversion, right, at some point? And how much does that have to blow out before mean reversion starts to start to kick in it's like okay well maybe it's if it's up eight percent maybe it's ten percent maybe it's fifteen percent right it's like okay well now once you get to 15 20 maybe you're at a you know three standard deviation over the last if it's up 20 percent over the last two weeks maybe at a three standard deviation type move and mean reversion is gonna gonna probably gonna probably kick in there right and then you start yeah. to quantify these things and you start to you start to tag them and you start to look for them I think there are a lot of idios there's a lot of idiosyncratic upside for Doge and there's a lot of idiosyncratic downside for BCH. That's not a mean reversion thing. That's just a secular no. trend, right? That's but yeah, but that that that's just uh that that's just slightly slightly different. But um you know it's like the, these these can can you juice alpha in these types of certain situations, right? Where you have I mean on Doge you have the dog potentially dying, unfortunately, yeah. which is which is bullish for it. You have I think Elon's launching a rocket with the Doge on it soon elon rebranding to x and then on bch you have a completely manufactured pump that sent it to 240. if you can find an efficient way to get short altcoins like bch there are a lot of those trades like long there are a lot short polka dot is another one but like good luck getting short polka dot right it's uh, without like waking up one morning and while you were asleep realizing that the perp blew out to like negative 200% APY funding for a couple cycles and ate up all of your PL, right? It's these markets are inefficient. So hugely. One thing that I really like, by the way, when it comes to so you'll get these scam pumps from things like BCH, from things like Aptos, from things like SUI that tend to uh, be characterized a lot by uh, perp volumes blowing out uh, by a random spot bid that's appeared for nowhere, or by a tremendous amount of open interest, and you'll get you know BCH from like 120 to 2 240, for example. It's like okay, well, well, how do you how do you think of how do you think about shorting that, and where do you think if if you're going to short, how do you think about shorting that? What I tend to do is I tend to wait for a, a period where it's off 20% or so from from the highs. It bounces. And then it retraces back that back down to that twenty percent from highs, and then that that's when you normally want to want to short it is when the bounce when when a bounce has failed in one of those scam pumps is when you and twenty percent is it. just arbitrary. Yeah, it's it's sort of arbitrary. It's but here's the, the part like oh sorry. Go here's ahead. the part that's not that's not arbitrary. Then the question is, well, where do you where do you tend to want to close it? Because sometimes you you get caught in these situations where it'll start going back up. And so where does it normally start to go back up is kind of the interesting point. Let's use an example 
of an asset that goes up. Let's go go up from 100 to 200. It goes down to 180, and then it goes back up to 195, and then back down to 180. Okay, great. That's your trigger point. You're going to short 180. Hmm. Where do you close? Do you close at 100? Well, no, you don't. And the reason you close at where you think fundamental value should ultimately be. You don't not not fundamental value, but where the risk reward makes sense for other traders to come step in. Because this market trade, especially these types of things, tend to trade very technically. And so let's say the top of the pump 200, bottom of the pump 100, you've shorted 180 and it trades trades to 150. Well, at that point, you have to think about what what, what what are other people seeing in this chart? How are other people seeing this asset trade? They see 150 and what they see is that there's a stop out below 100 where the scam pump began. And there's a target of 200 where the scam pump ended. So the risk reward is about equal. And so there are probably not that many people that are gonna that are gonna step in there. But at 140, that that starts to become a little bit more interesting, right? So you see people that will look at a chart like that. They'll say, okay, if I buy 140, then I can stop out 100 and target 200. My risk reward starts to look a little bit better. I see what you mean. And then at 133, it's two to one. And generally, two to one is where I find people in crypto like to step in when they see those, when they see those types double of trades, yeah. right? So double your risk, risk one to make two. See in TradFi, some of these things that, that do, that pump like crazy actually have fundamentals. Like for example, the March, April natural gas spread. March mm-hmm. is the last month of winter when natural gas is in high demand in the United States. And April is sort of the first month of spring when natural gas is abundant and there's not like, you know, it can't get really squeezed by too much demand and not enough supply. So that March, April time spread, usually it's worth like 30 cents in MMBTU at an extreme, usually 20 cents. But, you know, I remember back in 2018 during some crazy winter, like polar vortex thing in in America, it pumped up to $2. And that was the craziest thing that anybody had ever seen. You know, billions of dollars of capital were lost on this. And the whole time the thing was worth like 20 or 30 cents but it went up to $2, which is crazy. And it kind of feels a bit like crypto when it's trading up there. Like, what is, like, how do you know, why wouldn't it go to $10? You know, it's like oil and gas during the Ukraine war. Could oil go to $500 a barrel if Russia, like, starts war with the West? Sure. Um, but, like, you know, you don't know how high it's going to go, but you know that fundamental value is probably a lot lower than the current price. And so when you, when you say that something's, quote, scam pumping in crypto, like theoretically, your fair value for BCH is is what um, zero, right? Like, what do you what do you actually think that token is worth? Don't, before you answer, just like yeah. I, I take your point about people wanting to come in and get long because it just traded up, and this is a little bit different than a commodity or a commodity spread that has like physical end users that will ultimately drive fair value to fundamentals. But like at the same time, when I when I think about these things, like Usually the way that I look at it is a little bit different. It's not like, oh, 20% off the highs or, oh, where would someone take the other side? It's literally like, go to wikipedia.com, type in Kelly Criterion, like calculate how much money I can afford to lose before I get fired or get divorced or whatever it is. And uh, and then- how, how, know, how, much money, how much money is that, Jonah? No comment. But at the same time- um, you know, usually you usually you just it's a function of your dry power. When you go into these like technical, no price makes sense, every price makes sense markets. Um, I, I use the Kelly criterion, like a half Kelly. 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's fair. I mean, look. Yes, my long-term value for BCH is probably zero. That being said, the crypto markets are let me let me put this in the nicest way possible, are influenced by a lot of factors that have nothing to do with fundamentals and often it's easy to to change the pricing of these assets. Yeah, oh, dude, commodity so, markets are the same way, but but like over the short run, that's true. Over the long run, the fundamentals always win. When you see evidence of something moving for inorganic reasons, and the inorganic reasons can often be a spot bid that's come out of nowhere, a very, very sharp price movement on an illiquid coin, a large increase in open interest on futures contracts that correspond with a large move in price, you know, normally more than 30, 30 to 40%. And then you see the drivers of that move start to disappear. That's when you take this type of trade. That I like. That is something right? like you just talked about. That's me very something. concrete. It's okay. Well, maybe I was watching the Coinbase Binance spread. And for the last week, this asset has had the Coinbase above Binance and it was going up. And now it stopped going up and Binance is above Coinbase. Maybe that's your trigger. Or open interest went up a ton and it went up 40, 50%. It's no longer going up and open interest is starting to come down. Maybe that's your trigger. Now, where do you, how do you short that thing? What I just talked about, where do you cover what I just talked about, right? That's more. So Avi, what you're talking about is kind of like a pioneering framework in crypto for what most people would call quantum mental trading. Like an input would be the Coinbase Binance spread for a certain token or open interest. And enterprising listeners should be Taking notes on everything Avi just listed out, and you know, backtesting them, backtesting just how yeah, what is the lead don't lag trust relationship? Trust the words that come out of my mouth. Trust the numbers. What is the lead lag? Like tweet, tweet at us. Like what is the lead lag relationship between the Coinbase Binance spread for Doge and the price of Doge? Um, is there one? Uh, you know, these are these are cool little quantum mental factors that you could use They're to phenomenal. build a systematic strategy. And you can also pull it. I mean, there, there are all sorts of random things that affect the price of crypto. Time zone is huge. And time zone correlated with price spread between exchanges is great. So for example, when Binance is in the lead, you tend to get better price action during Asia hours. When Coinbase is in the lead, you tend to get better price action during US hours. And you can start to, oh, okay, well, how do I take advantage of that? And then it's not just Bitcoin because Bitcoin's efficient. It's all these other coins out there that, okay, well, when does when does Litecoin when is when is the best performing uh, time for, for for Litecoin? Go figure that out, right now. Okay, great. You have a strategy now. Congratulations. Go make some money. I think we should debate the Friend Tech app that just launched. Um, I have read about it, but not used it. You have actually gotten yourself on there. Yes. Um, let me let now, me see. I, like, I get I get cop, personally... you play good cop. Maybe we should try and just debate this and and like I'll attempt to pick it apart. I for the record, I think it's cool and I think it's it's worth something. But like I could pretend for a minute that I think it's I, I could be a, a crypto skeptic about it. And we we can I get try personally to offended when people sell my shares. I get, so if you sell my shares, I will be I will see it and I will be <laughs> upset about it and I will I don't think I can threaten people on this podcast, but I will be very upset with you. You're one of the most unthreatening podcasters out there, Avi. You got no Excuse tattoos. 
Oh, oh shit! All right, are you kidding? I don't know if you know this, but I, you know, I used to, you know, I used to cage fight, right? Really? Yeah. I'm not gonna challenge you to a cage fight. I, I could, to, I, I could like. To, I wrestled. I wrestled in high school a little bit in college. Really? Then, yeah. I played cello. So call, call me, call me non-threatening again. Cool room. Come play, over there I to play cello. Play cello and say to my you. face, Jonah. <laughs> so friend tech. Let's say that I am a novice, sort of aspiring day trader. Um, I read crypto Twitter. I follow a few influencers. I could theoretically buy those influencers' shares on FriendTech and get invited into private conversations with those influencers in which I theoretically might be able to learn something about the market that could help me do a better job profiting from it trading. Um, is that sort of a correct interpretation of how friend tech might work? Uh, yeah, I think that, I think that's a reasonable, I mean, I think that's reasonable. I mean, the, the way, the way that I would think about it is it, the financialization of people is inevitable given the technology that we currently have. Why does, okay. So again, just devil's advocate here. Why does this need to be a crypto thing? It, like, it's just it's just the it's just the easiest way to transfer value on the internet. I think we both agree with that. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, that, it's like, that if, argument's if, answered. If, if if you're gonna have value transfer on the internet, crypto is the best way to do it. Okay. So I agree that people will eventually be financialized. I agree that crypto is the best way to you know transfer value on the internet. So we're in agreement there. Um, but there's a difference between financializing people and transferring that value around on the internet. And what FriendTech does, which is allow, like basically selling access uh, to those people uh, in, in the form of a sort of a private messaging channel. Um, don't you think that seems a bit uh, potentially dangerous and valueless? Like, for example, if we were trying to um, say, hey, we're going to have a private sort of invite only version, like paid version of the 1000X podcast where we, you know, do what we don't do on this podcast, which is offer investment advice and help give you, you know, tips or whatever. Like that's not something that I believe retail would be able to profit from. I wouldn't feel good about doing that. Um, I don't think it works. I think everybody has to have their own investment process to our to the point that we were talking about earlier in our conversation. I don't think you can just sort of follow somebody else's trades and expect that to work for yeah. you. You can invest in their fund and that works sometimes, but you know, in, in the case of you know, profitable funds, of course it works, but like for, for, oh, get invited into this channel and we'll tell you what, what to do. Like, do, do you think that's actually beneficial to retail? Is that a, an actual use case that works? Yeah, the way, okay. So there's sort of two, there's sort of two things here, right? The first is, is it, is it beneficial to have monetary value assigned to access? And I think, yeah, hundred percent. That, that's like how basically everything in the world works is there's, Can you there's give an example? You pay you, you if you want to go to a club and you're a dude, you buy a table. If you want to go get lunch with Warren Buffett, you pay five million dollars. If you want uh, to have a better chance of getting into your MBA, you pay an MBA counselor like 30k to help you with your application. There are all sorts of different examples in life. Just you want access to some. I mean, you know, there was uh, there was that one um, Bology Ransom company, right? That he sold to coinbase that was 21 
yeah so, so, something like that oh no it started as 21 it started as the bitcoin computer and then it, it switched to earn.com or something earned, like that earn, earn.com exactly and where yeah. you would pay to get access to people and i view this as sort of a natural extension of that i i think jonah the main worry that i have is that somebody's going to short me and then try to like murder me or something like that i mean that's that's really the <laughs> like that's really the fear <laughs> I'm being serious. Well, you right? know how to you wrestle. Think... You could just put the guy in a full Nelson. Yeah, you, you can't wrestle a bullet, Jonah. Okay. All right. <laughs> you know what? You're convincing me that this uh, this friend tech thing works. I mean, I, I sort of believed in it from the beginning, but I wanted to try and play devil's advocate. And as everybody's sort of probably aware by now, I'm not very good at arguing for things that I don't really agree with. So, Avi, you win this one. Um, no, I, I didn't even agree. argue. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't even offer any, any arguments for I, it. I just yeah. said that if I just said that it allows people to potentially get murdered for profit, which is actually an <laughs> argument against it. I mean, the, the here here's we we actually invested in a platform uh, called Fan Three, which allows users, it allows artists like a Zed, for example, who's who's part of the project, or a Liam Payne, or you know, Taylor Swift. I'll use a better example that everybody knows uh, that. The reason I said Zed and Liam Payne is because they're both part of it. But anyway, ta ta Taylor, Taylor Swift, that allows her to issue special access NFTs, to build a website that allows for special access very, very easily, to also uh, basically, it, it's, like a, it's like a suite of tools to allow, that has some Web3 components, some not Web3 components, that allows the artist to engage more directly with their fans and people are, are happily paying for this for, for this right and so it, it, it's it's one of those things where i think people are willing to go pay for access to people that they view as important or useful or good or fun people are willing to pay for access to people that they people that they idolize i think that there's also a gambling element to this where it's you're not only paying for access you can resell that access and potentially if you get access to somebody early on, you can make a lot of money by betting that this person is going to be huge, right? I'm sure we've all come across somebody in our life. We're like, hey, I don't know exactly how they're going to be successful, but I know that these this person is going to be successful and I want a piece of that. Well, Frank, you're looking at that person right here, Avi. His name is Jonah Van Borg. And uh, he, I mean, he, he was boring. one of the, the first hundred viewers or a thousand viewers of PSY's Gangnam style, right? Okay. Before, it, before it really blew up. And look yeah, at me could, now. I haven't, I haven't made a dime Zai. off of that. I haven't made a you dime off of Zai. that. Yeah. Zai. And so two thoughts on your, your sort of financialization of people and, um, you know, sort of like crypto gives you access to interesting events uh, or, or access to those people type, type you know conversations uh so thought number one you are the taylor swift of crypto traders avi just want you to know that you are you are definitely at the top of the at the top of your game you're young and you have a bright future ahead of you thought number two is uh i agree with you i think that crypto is a fantastic and proven way for people to engage with content creators and for that value to be fungible and liquid. And if you look at FriendTech, like like it or not, it's the the third biggest revenue generator in the Ethereum network, right? Like the 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 top revenue generator is obviously Ethereum mainnet. 
number two is Lido and Frentech is number three right now. Like people are spending real dollars on this. So, or ETH, real ETH. So ultimately you're right. And it's being proven in the, uh, in the pudding. But to me, uh, just my only actual point of skepticism about Frentech is that um, while I do believe that there is value in access, I think that I were like I think that in the in the space that you and I, um, you know, are professionals in and trading, um, I think that value is extremely. Uh, dangerous and you need to yeah, like it's, it's dangerous like you can't but... just take tips from people and expect that to work for you you know like if i mean if that, that's what like, friend tech is giving... selling friend tech is mostly crypto and influencers right now so i would be worried like i would think the product would need to uh differentiate between like hey you, you know backstage tickets to an artist's show or a conversation with warren buffett like you know kind of innocuous things like that versus like hey get in a chat room with this like early board ape adopter for you know nft alpha right to yeah me, i mean I, I i look i i agree with you but i think you're painting an unnecessarily narrow hole or narrow okay. paint picture i think that in about two weeks this thing is going to go mainstream if it it kind of is already there there are a couple of game there are a couple of gamers that have got it gone on board uh, you, you're right. It's still by f like mostly crypto by far, but I think in give it two to three weeks, I I think that people are going to come up with some pretty innovative things here, and I think that the platform itself, may, the I think the core thing here, so there will inevitably be a financialization of people. It started with sports stars, right? There are platforms out there that. Uh, one of the theses was, "Hey, we'll let you invest in Messi, or we'll let you invest in this, in this, in this, you know, high schooler uh, who might who might go to the who might go to the NFL, and you'll get a cut of his salary if he does, and he'll get the money now, right?" There. So there are all these different platforms out there uh, that that tried to do that with sports stars. This is just that, but at greater scale with a better actual pot of people to potential investments, like social media influencers. Okay, who do you think is going to get? Who do you think is going to get big? Uh, and not only who is going to get big, but who is going to deliver the most value to the people that sign up for uh, to, to, to own their to own their shares, right? Here's a crazy thought. Imagine instead of buying a concert ticket, they just like spin up a account for the concert, and the first like thousand people to buy shares are the only people that go to the that go to the concert. That's right? kind I mean, of like yeah. There's like so many random things that you can you can you can do with this. Which is why I actually think that there's a lot of money to be made here. And if you're not paying attention to Frentech right now, you probably should. Because even if even if it flames out, it's worthwhile staying on top of the developments. Because even I, if can, it I couldn't out, agree with you more. Like I, there's I think that... something like this that's gonna succeed, and you should have a good understanding of what that something might look like. No, you're you're absolutely right, Avi. And I think that like there have been a few iterations of, of products like this in the past in crypto. They kind of fizzled out, but that doesn't mean that the technology itself isn't perfectly conducive to this use case. And for me, it's just refreshing to talk about something other than Pepe or Barack Obama Sonic Harry Potter coin. Like I'm, I'm just sick of that stuff. And to me, like, first of all, Frentech has a great name. It's slick, it's catchy. Uh, financialization of people is a theme that it like you said 
it you know it's it's a bit dystopian but it ultimately appeals to our um kind of our our sensibilities because of what we've seen happen in our you know in our recent lifetimes with social media followed by crypto followed by you know basically uh financialization of of other things so ultimately i i agree with you i just my I'm a little scared of it, but at the same time, I think that if you're not paying attention, you're you're going to be missing out on a big trend. This is one of those things that that goes mainstream, and ultimately, uh, I don't necessarily know what the best way to profit from this is as a trader, other well, than buy, to buy, be... buy shares of people that you think are going to go viral. That's so. <sighs> Yeah, I guess you have to really is maybe maybe the best way to do it would be to like I'm just brainstorming here. You build a bot that monitors people who will almost definitely go viral but aren't yet on the platform and the second they go, they get on, second they onboard, then you buy. What I, do you think of that? I one? that's a brilliant I would bet a million dollars that people are doing that right now. Yeah. Like to me, I'm I was just trying to think like how would you there's no people there's are definitely no doing that right now. Friend tech. I feel like by the time this podcast comes out on Thursday, people are going to hear that and they're going to say, "Well, just for the record, this was filmed on Monday." Uh, <laughs> if, if it comes out, if it's going to come out on Thursday, and people are going to be like, "Everybody's doing that, Jonah." Like, I bet, I bet everybody's going to be doing that in like two days. Yeah, so it's not like it's not quite as easy as oh, we'll buy the friend tech token. Um, it's it's a little more nuanced, but. Yeah, maybe maybe there's a little bit of alpha in there for people who are willing to invest the time and effort and write a few lines of code. Yeah, I mean it's pretty it's pretty wild. I, I signed up and people are buying my shares for some reason. Um, sh should I sign up? Yeah, yeah you should 100% sign up. I mean, I say for some reason. I'm, I, I actually I actually really enjoy the platform. I'm probably gonna start doing a lot more with it. So. I think I think it's genius, and I'm I'm refreshed by it. This is a perfect use case for crypto. All right, I think uh, I think it's about I think it's about time to wrap this one. I Agreed. appreciate you spending time with me as always, Jonah. And likewise, Avi, listening to my rants. So it was good. I'll see you out there on Front Tech, everyone. See you guys out there on Front Tech. <laughs>